0: How many of you, if it wasn't your first thought, had this thought when you heard Hero? The winner of the reality show The Bachelor. (laughs) Well, not even top ten. Okay. That's the story of Esther. Esther was an ancient version of the winner of the story uh, of the reality show, The Bachelor. So, there you go. A whole new definition <laughs> of hero for you guys. It's a great story. I, I, um, It's been, I think, a couple of years since I've read the book of Esther. And it truly is a great summer read. If, if you are like me and you haven't either, you've never read the story, or it's been years since you've read the book of Esther, you need to put it on your list for this summer and read the story. It has all of the elements of a great summer read. It is um, intriguing. There is um, all kinds of intrigue going on. There's protagonists and antagonists. There's conflict, all of the things that go into a great summer read. And uh, so I would just encourage you. I... I love the story and um uh, and if you have if you're here and you're a parent um especially if you have a daughter you need to read this story and and uh, if she's old enough read this story to her kind of story So you heard kind of a quick overview in that in that little 2 minute video and uh, so I'm not going to be able to do it justice either there is so much going on in this story that I'm not going to be able to cover um but with what we can. So the story opens up with a huge party. The king, Xerxes, throws a party um, at the palace, and uh, the party is for himself, because he's the king, and uh, so it's not just, though, for the palace, it's for anybody, any of the uh, citizens around the palace. So it's this huge multi-day party, and there's an open bar. Okay, so, and I'm only saying that somewhat facetiously. Literally in the story, it says, the king wanted to make sure that there was enough wine that everybody could have all that they wanted. Woohoo! Love the king. So they have this big party going on, and uh, people are having a great time, and the king is having a great time, and in his euphoria, he realizes his queen... Is not is not present, and she is apparently a looker, and so he's now feeling really good. He wants to have his wife, and he wants to kind of show his wife off, and uh, so he sends for his wife, and she refuses to come. She does not want to be trotted around, apparently, like a showpiece, and so for whatever reason, she says she just doesn't show up which immediately puts them into a national crisis. This is bad news. The queen has refused to come at the command of the king. Party's over, it around, because they've got to figure out what to do. And so these wise men say, all right, first of all, Vesti is out. Okay, so she is no longer going to be the queen. She has to be banished from uh, the palace, banished from the king's life forever. She is out. Uh, Heather is preaching this in uh, in Voorhees, and she said, you know, actually, I think she made out pretty well. I, I expected that these guys would have had her killed, but so she got off easy. Anyway, um, so she's banished, but that's not enough. They Decide they have to send an edict to every province in the kingdom, which basically says, "The man is the king of his castle, and every household you need to recognize that the man is the king of his castle, and women are to do what the husband says." Classic government overreach, <laughs> right? Like I can't—you can't believe that this is this is what they send out. And, but that's that's what they do. They send out this, this edict that that's supposed to be the case. You know, when you have to make a law that says, women, you have to listen to your husband, that's, a, that's pretty weak. And I'm thinking about that in, and contrasting it with Jesus. So again, we're in a different culture. It's a different time. We live in a different place in our country, but but when Jesus came along, it was still very much a matriarchal, patriarchal, excuse me, patriarchal uh, society. And into that, Jesus treats women as equals. He engages them in conversation. He has meals with them. He has women following and supporting his ministry. Women are fully engaged, and Jesus is treating women as equals, which is not okay with the culture. They they are not appreciating that. They think that's a weakness in him instead of instead of a strength. But here it is, this kind of contrast between the kingdom of the world and how the kingdom of the world looks at things and reacts to things, We have to make laws, we have to oppress people and put people down in order for um, others to be in their rightful place and so forth. And Jesus, the kingdom of God, views everyone as equal. We are all one under Christ. Marriage, in Ephesians 5, is talked about as a mutual submission. Submit yourselves to each other out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially like your own body. Very different worldviews. The world with its um, desire for power and control and the kingdom of God which calls us into these kind of relationships built on love in submission to Christ. Anyway, so that's how the story starts. There's this edict and uh, Veshti is out and uh, now the king is starting to feel a little bit lonely. He's missing having a queen. And uh, so his advisors gather together. They're concerned that maybe he's going to you know, weaken and he's going to invite Veshti back or something. And so they come up with a plan. And I'm just going to read it to you because if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. So it's from the second chapter of... Stir verses 3 and 4, the words are on the screen, it says this. This is, the, this is his advisors. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. Hei, the king's eunuch, will be in charge of uh, the harem will see to it that they are given beauty treatments. After that, the young women, the young woman who pl- who uh, most pleases the king will be made the queen instead of Vashti. This advice was very appealing to the king. You think? Right? <laughs> you guys are brilliant. <laughs> Put the plan into effect. All right. So literally, it's the bachelor. Right. We're going to get the most beautiful women from each province. We're going to bring them together. We're going to give them, you know, kind of finishing school, and then they're going to be brought, um, you know, each one at a time into uh, uh, the king's chambers. So that's that's the story. He meets Esther, and she is. I love this word, beguiling is apparently a tremendously beautiful woman, and he is smitten with her, and he selects her to be his queen. What he doesn't know is that Esther is Jewish. She shouldn't be part of this at all, this kind of forsaken minority, wrong religion, and so forth. She shouldn't be in this competition at all. But nobody knows except for the guy who helped get her into this contest, her cousin, a guy named Mordecai. Okay, So she comes in. She She is just so attractive. She's so beautiful that the king selects her and makes her his queen. And one of the things I thought about as I was reading that part of the story is how each one of us is gifted by God with a beauty. There is something uniquely beautiful about each of us. It may not be the physical kind of beauty that that Esther had, but there is something beguiling about you. A way God has wired you up, a a way that God has gifted you, a way that, that you... Function in the world. Maybe it's some special knowledge that you have. Maybe it's a gift of being able to communicate with folks. Maybe it's your gifts of compassion. Maybe it's your intellect. Whatever it is that God has uniquely gifted you that you are beguiling in your own way. And when we understand that, when we realize that, how do I use that God-given beauty that I have to be a blessing? put us here for a purpose. So let's go on with the story. The the person who hasn't been introduced yet, every great story, right, has to have conflict. And so the conflict in this story is created by this character named Haman. Haman is the, um, this thing's driving me nuts. Haman is, there it is. I'm going to just hold it here. (laughs) Haman is the uh, king's chief of staff, and Haman is all about, the thing that motivates Haman, the thing that is Haman's most important thing, the thing that drives Haman is is Haman. He's one of those guys, right? It's all about him, his personal self-aggrandizement. He is a guy who has a huge ego. And everything is kind of focused from his perspective on on him. So let me uh, just to give you an example of that. Let me read this little description of of uh, Haman. All right, so it comes from uh the 5th chapter of Esther. Uh, second part of verse ten and verse eleven. It says this: Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh his wife, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors that the king had. Wow. <laughs> Go ahead and read. Go ahead and read. Well, that freaked sorry. me out, dude. I'm sorry, like, I, I was trying to do it while you were reading. It so wouldn't Sorry. All right. That yeah, that's cool. It's, it's like back. a <laughs> Sorry. I was thinking it was the Holy Spirit, but <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome, Jack. That would never have happened if we're he's like <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about being here. Alright. So we're oh we so we're uh, we're we he's boasting about himself, right? I love the fact that he's boasting about as many children to his wife. You know, like, yeah, you had a lot to do with it. All right. So he's boasting and bragging about his honors that the king had given uh, him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. It's all about him. It's all about Haman. And he has this, this, this deal that Anybody, when Haman is walking around and you see Haman, you're supposed to bow. And everybody's going to bow to Haman, right? There's an ego. When a leader is motivated by self, that's a dangerous leader. When a leader hyper-personalizes Everything based on his or her ego, that's a dangerous leader. And whether it's in the political realm or the military realm or the business realm, wherever that is, it's dangerous when a leader is all about self. And that's Haman. So everybody's bowing to Haman, except for one guy, Mordecai. Mordecai, Esther's cousin, refuses to bow to Haman. And it drives him nuts. He can't have it, right? This kind of offense is just beyond the pale. How dare he? And so self-aggrandized is this guy's ego that not only does he want vengeance against Mordecai, he finds out Mordecai is a Jew, and he decides that he is going to have all of the Jews in the kingdom obliterated. Literally, he begins to plan a holocaust and gets the king on board in a very kind of manip- manipulative way, all driven by ego. Leadership is never about that. True leadership The kingdom of God leadership has a very different focus. What did Jesus say? I did not come to be served but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's the nature of a hero. It's someone who understands that you're here to serve. If you're in a position of leadership, wherever that might be, you're in a servant role. And if you make it about yourself, if you make it about your ego, that's a very dangerous place to be. I mean, think about it, right? Heil Hitler. It's the ultimate expression of the ego, of the self over anything else. So that's what's going on. So... Haman has decided he's going to have all of the Jews in the kingdom killed and gets an edict signed by the king. Mordecai hears about this, and he is beyond devastated. The Bible says that he tears his clothes, which is a sign of ultimate mourning. He clothes himself in sackcloth basically burlap, and covers himself in ashes, and he sits outside of the palace wailing. So friends uh, of Mordecai who who know of his relationship to Esther go to Esther and say, you know, there's something wrong with Mordecai. He's, he's, you know, in sackcloth and ashes, and he's wailing, and she's very concerned. Find out what's going on uh, with Mordecai and he sends word back through this oh she sent clothes uh and he sends back word saying he's not going to wear these clothes so she sends word back to find out what it is uh through this through this servant i think the servant's name was texting and so he goes down to <laughs> no that wasn't it it's like hatchback or something Uh you know his name it was like it was yeah it's it's like hatchback but i like texting Message back and forth, you know what's going on, and so, so Mordecai sends word back about what's, what's happening, what this plan is, and then says to Esther, "You've got to do, do something." And she reminds Mordecai, you know, who's who's saying go talk to the king. She's saying. You don't understand you don't just go talk to the king even me who's married to him if you're not invited to speak to the king you don't just show up you don't ask to be invited to the king you wait until he invites you otherwise you can be killed and he's got a history with queens you know like he's not afraid to do bad things to queens so Mordecai sends word back and he says in essence great words who knows who knows but that you are in this royal position for such a time as this you may be in the position you are in for just such a time that is a powerful perspective think about the fact that the position that you find yourself in right now, maybe God has been choreographing things that you would be in the position that you are in right now just for this time. Many of you know um, our friend Angelo Salandra he was a part of this community uh he was part of hope for for about 15 years he was part of the launch team i know many of you know angelo and remember his story angelo passed away um just a few months ago uh from cancer uh, but i got to know angelo at a time in his life where things were going great he his business was doing really well he was making a, a lot of money and he had homes you know both uh here and down in the outer banks and he was he had a plan he was in his um early 40s at that time he had a plan to retire by the age 50 and um and then 2008 hit and everything that he had worked so hard for began to disappear he lost his homes had to give up his cars he struggled just to keep his business functioning but at that same time, his faith in Christ was, was growing. He was on a steep spiritual growth curve. And I remember talking to him on m- many occasions about the fact that all of this was God's bless. He's put me in this position so that I can tell my story and encourage others by my story. And he was so faithful to that. If you knew Angelo, you know his story. And over the years, his faith continued to flourish and grow. He struggled um, in his business life and so forth, but he stayed faithful, and and God was faithful, and he was able to keep his business open and make enough money to, to survive and so forth. And then three or four years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer happened to be in the hospital when the doctor came in and told Angelo the news that he had multiple myeloma. And Angelo's first reaction was, well, everybody's got to die of something. That's the first words out of his mouth. And then he began to say, as the reality of that sunk in, God can use this in my life. I can be a witness even in this. Angelo had this understanding that he was in the place that he was in for such a time as this, and that none of this would be wasted. That in God's economy, when we understand that God is at work in the realities of our lives, and if we can just see him, if we just put our faith in him, that he'll use us right where we are, even in places that are uncomfortable and difficult. And Esther had been in this beautiful place. But now all of a sudden it was terrible. Her very life was on the line. This is this is what Esther says to Haman when he sends back through texting um Maybe you're in this place for such a time as this. So she texts back this. Then Esther sent this text to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights, uh, for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go and see the king. And if I must die, I must die. Now we get to see the character of Esther. Up until now, all we know of her is she is this beguiling beauty who captured the attention and the heart of a king. But now we get to see her character. It starts from the position of faith. I need to fast and pray. And I need you to fast and pray for me. I need to bring people around me, lots of people around me. One of the things that happens, I notice sometimes, um, when, you're, when we're in a hard time in our lives, we go underground. We th- somehow think it's noble or strong that we just keep it to ourselves. And what the Bible reminds us is we need in those times to at least pray for us. And I don't mean at least, but to pray for us, to lift us up to God. We can't do it alone. So she brings all of the people around her to lift her in prayer over three days. Serious prayer, fasting kind of prayer. And then she says, and then I'm going to go to the king recognizing that this may cost her her life they're not trifling around with this stuff and her response is and if i die i die that's a hero that's a hero it's somebody who puts his or her life on the line for other people now mordecai was trying to tell her look don't think you're going to escape if they if they carry through with this, they're going to figure out you're a Jew, you're going to die. And, you know, she could have written back and said, look, Morty, you know, maybe you think that, but I think I can get by on this. And She's got to face the fact that this may cost her life. So then as the story goes on, she she does go to the king. And he welcomes her and says, You can ask me whatever you want to ask me. And she is so smart. She is so wise. She doesn't just come right out and say, Hey, don't don't kill Jewish people. She says, "I, I wanna I wanna have a banquet. I want you to come to a banquet. Comes to the banquet, and she says Says whatever you want. She says, "I want another banquet. I want you and Haman to come to this banquet." And you know, as the story unfolds, she she outs Haman, and uh, uh, you have to read it yourself. I can't, I just can't give you enough information in this thing. But here's here's the takeaway for me. We have this woman who recognizes. sake of others she is beautiful she is brave she's faithful that's a powerful combination your're beautiful recognizing that you are where you are perhaps for such a time as this maybe we this little community of of Christ followers this hope community are in this place for such a time as this we don't know what god's plan is for this we do know that god called us to do we may not know why for period of time as near as i can tell esther it was years that she was in the palace it was years that she was queen before this situation came and so we're just faithfully doing the things that we believe that god has called us to do knowing that for such a time as this you beautiful you know the things about you that are so attractive don't deny those things use those to be a blessing to others stay close to God and when moments come where you have to make difficult decisions, Let your focus be, how can God use me to bring blessings to others? So let's stand together for closing prayer. Or was there a song? There wasn't a song, was there? No, okay. That was actually kind of cool. This is the closest I've ever been to actually being in the choir, like (laughs) sitting right here and singing along. I felt like I was part of the choir. Thank you for all that you do, not just here, but for all that you do uh, in Christ's name. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for setting an example to others of the difference between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God as you live out your life in ways to honor him. So God, we are so grateful for the testimony of Esther. We're thankful, Lord, that in this story, we see a contrast, a clear contrast between a life lived for self, driven by ego, and a life lived to honor you. May the example of Esther and others like her an encouragement and an inspiration to each of us as we go into this week, seeking to conform to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. We pray these things in his name and for his kingdom's sake, and all God's people agreed and said, amen. Amen. Have a great week.